Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Our Wild podcast listeners. We're excited today to explore the three phases of the goddess. Perhaps you've heard a little bit about this, and if not, we're going to talk more about sort of this ancient understanding that we as women go through sort of three distinct phases in our life, and they're all beautiful, and they're all timely, and they're all powerful. And they're all important. So we want to buck some of the concepts around aging mm-hmm. and talk about the beauty that comes with each of the phases. So hi, Kate. Hi. I'm we excited for this conversation. Ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Such a nice way to look at women's lives. I think it's going to be really empowering to talk through this. Yeah, I agree. So the three phases of the goddess are the maiden, the mother, and the crone. So it's sort of like womanhood has these three beautiful periods of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like a three act play in a way, right? Yeah. And each phase is important and nature is guiding us through all of it. And unfortunately, we live in a very age phobic society. Mm-hmm. And so we honor certain of these phases more than the other. And so today in particular, we want to honor the final stage, the crone stage, but we're going to talk a little bit about the other stages as well. Okay. So, all right. So first is the maiden stage and this is when we start our cycle. Mm -hmm. Do you remember yours? Uh, Yeah, I was older. I was uh, 13, I think 13 years old, eighth grade. I was one of the late bloomers. So I was, you know, starting it much later than other girls in my class And I do not remember it as um, a positive thing. I was scared. Um, I was at home when it started. I had an older sister. So, you know, it's not as if it was a rare thing in our family to have a menstruating uh, woman in in our family home. But I remember there was no joy around it. It was like a little bit of a letdown or a little bit of a, you know, some fear involved. And then I remember in those early years after starting my period, having kind of constant fear and worry that I was bleeding, even if it wasn't even my time of the month that someone was standing beside me and standing behind me and seeing blood on my pants, even if it, if my, you know, I wasn't even on my period. So that was like, there was something that got embedded in me of like shame around your blood or Mm. so what about you? I, I was 13 as well, and I was one of the last ones. Um, you were a late bloomer as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I was playing softball that summer and doing a lot of swimming. And so my world just shut down. Mm. I was like, well, I can't do any of those the things The white anymore. softball pants? Oh, yeah. That wasn't mm-hmm. going to happen. So um, I feigned illness. I remember, told my girlfriends I couldn't go to the pool. Um, and I think I mourned. 
Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was not a celebratory and I was the oldest girl. Yeah. Um, and my mom was real supportive, but I just felt like, well, life is my over. days are number now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a, uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't as joyous as I, I wish it had, had been. I've already been scheming and planning for when my 11 year old daughter enters maidenhood And I've already told her as well um, that I'm going to do some kind of celebration for her Mm -hmm. and that I want to take her on a very special trip and we're going to go off and we're going to celebrate that she's become a woman and we're going to do, you know, fun, exciting things together. And so she told me that she would like to go to Paris. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) I'm like, well, I love how she's a big thinker. She is a big thinker, but it leads to this kind of piece that, um, you know, earlier societies had these very demarcated rites of passage. Mm -hmm. Like you went through, you know, you became a young woman, you became a young man and there was a rite of passage for it. And we just have sort of done away with all of those. Oh, I Um, think that's, that's going to be beautiful. And, and I love that you've already like set that expectation that it's something to be excited. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah. When my daughter, I remember sending her to junior high or maybe it was sixth grade, but giving her a, a little bag full of supplies and so that she would have them and what ended up happening because she was a little late in her friend group she would give them out because oh. <laughs> you know inevitably someone that week would need one and yeah. she became kind of the the supplier which, which, is, <laughs> which so is also her be- too but yeah. she's like such yeah. a caregiver i could mm-hmm. see how that actually fit her yeah she her could energy say, oh really i well. have something for you yeah. yeah so then the second phase of the goddess is the mother And of course, this does not actually require that you've birthed an actual child, but it's when we move from, um, you know, prior to that in our, you know, teens and maybe early twenties, there's a lot of independence. Like everything you're choosing is about you. You get to call the shots about how you spend your time and where you put your energy. And then there becomes often a point in time where we have to start to consider the needs of someone else. And this could even be, we get a pet and suddenly we have to come home every day at noon and walk the dog. So it's like the end of just this free independence to do whatever you want into caregiving for something or someone, or it could be, you know, you suddenly move in with someone and you have to think about someone else's feelings and life habits and so that's sort of the entrance to the mother stage. I feel like we're in that stage a long time. We are in that stage a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which do you think that contributes to kind of the human giver syndrome? I've never thought about it until this very moment that you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much caretaking, so much mental energy and, mm-hmm. uh, that we have for so many decades, really. Right, right. And that it's kind of part of our biology in many ways. So, I mean, I love how the Nagoski sisters have sort of created that idea of the human giver syndrome, but also how we biologically wired to be kind of shifting our awareness to be taking care of other people, whether it's plants or Mm -hmm. dogs or children or coworkers or, you know, the neighbor next door. We just have this biological drive for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful period of your life. It's also for me, looking back, a foggy period. <laughs> less sleep, yeah. less, um, your mo- things are moving so quickly. So many life changes in, a, in, you know, short periods of time and in some ways reliving your childhood because if you have children, you kind of start to relive, 
you know, your own experiences through their eyes. So it's a very, to me, it's a very active, but also whirlwind of a a period. Yeah. And I think that as we, I, I like how you said it, it feels a little foggy. You don't even really have the time to figure out your own desires and needs and wants. And clearly we've already talked about sort of this midlife period in one of our podcasts that sometimes it takes later in our motherhood journey that we really start to get clear on what do I want. Now there is the, the classic kind of idea of, you know, if you look back and really study goddess tradition and these different phases is that they're just three. But I, I read in one source, which I really liked is that there's kind of, we could call it if motherhood is the second phase, there's like a two a phase <laughs> before okay. you get to the third phase. And you'll like this one. It's called the Enchantress. And it's a second maidenhood, which happens in the 40s and 50s, which here we are, Kate. And it's when those who've been under our care have more independence. So we do focus in on who am I and what do I want? And this is a time when we can heal past wounds, work on our own self-trust, confront our own vulnerability. So it's sort of like a... Yeah, yeah, like a stepping stone because mm-hmm. I think we're we're both in that both enchantress in period. Yeah, it feels very much like the 40s, your 40s. Yeah, the 40s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember turning 40 and like, like that for me has been the biggest moment of like a birthday moment where I suddenly felt different mm. and um, I wasn't afraid of it. I was super excited and I literally, I don't know if you felt that way at 40, but you just, you're kind of like, oh, I, I have arrived. Mm. And I think part of it was because my kids were getting older and more independent. It was very, it was a very freeing age for me. Did you like your 40s? And then, no. Then I, I would say I awoke in my 40s. Mm. Like I was very excited about my 40s, but that was also my period of a lot of self-discovery and going inward and personal development. And, and my forties were, were hard and beautiful and kind of my awakening period. Yeah. And so coming out of them now and being in my fifties, I look back and think that was my period of greatest growth in my entire life. I would agree for me Yeah, from 40 to where I'm at now, 48 greatest growth, but I would call mine a shit show. Yeah. It's not been easy. Yeah. I remember my 40th birthday, I had a huge birthday party and, um, I but there. as I look back at it, I think I was a little numbed out. I was and there. You were. Was I, yeah. I think I was really numbed out, but I was also didn't know that I had this like autoimmune illness brewing in my whole system. Yeah. And I think it really kind of exploded shortly after that. Yeah, you did. I forgot about that. Was uh-huh. that period yeah. of- so 40s was really hard. But I kind of like if the Enchantress is the 40s and 50s, that may be in the 50s. <laughs> you know, you move into a little bit more yes. ease. Well, and well. don't you think we all have different roads and we all have different things to cut through and like examine and understand and different traumas and things that kind of bubble up that we have to come to terms with and and reconcile and it's different for different people so it may be that you have more of that to deal with than other people but no one is immune from it no I agree it is it is it happens for all of us on some level I agree um you can choose to ignore it but it it shows not to dive as deep and I just decided to do go off the deep end and go into all my stuff which 
I'm grateful for because it's very freeing, but it's not without its no, and I think <laughs> that's a really honest thing to yeah. say. Yeah. I, I I would agree. I I think for me it was it was similar. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we reached the third stage, and this is called the crone stage, and it's the time when our fertility ends. Mm-hmm. So we shift from the external material world to more of an internal spiritual world. And this is when we get super psychic and intuitive and like really awaken into that energy. So this is the time when uh, the woman becomes at her greatest power because she's got wisdom and power. She's gone through her own grief. She's totally connected to life force. She's in constant intuition all the time. They say um, when we're in motherhood, we get highly intuitive every time we bleed. And that is practice for when we're done bleeding. And then we're always in intuitive spaces. That's so um, much more positive isn't to think that about so powerful? the space that we're now going to be entering as the when you truly are have the greatest power. Yes. Yes. Because I think there's been, there's always this, at least as I've aged, this dread. And this is really flipping the script and saying that is absolutely not what's happening. I think society and culture and our patriarchy society would want us to believe that. Yes. But I think it's important to say that isn't biologically true. No, it's like when women are at their greatest power, They also say the crone period is when all women become healers. So whether or not you identify as a healer prior to that, once you reach that crone stage, you are, every woman is in, she's a healer. Um, And we all have this gift of of vision. So it's so powerful, but okay, we have to like, what just, how do you feel about the word crone? Well, I told you I didn't love it. I I told you I thought of Crohn's disease and I know it's not spelled the same way, Yeah, but there's a, there's a, um, yeah, I, you think of kind of like a witch or um, somebody mysterious that mm-hmm. is, is, is lurking in the forest. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so I looked it up. The Oxford Dictionary defines crone as an ugly old woman. <laughs> but then if you look up the, the Latin form of it, they define crone a completely other way. So the dictionary calls it a ugly old woman. Um, in folklore, a crone is an old woman who may be characterized as disagreeable, malicious, or sinister, but often has magical and supernatural powers. Mm. So this is it. Like, I think that this powerful, supernatural, intuitive capacity that comes online for all the women, like, since the dawn of age or whatever, people are scared about it. So now we make that woman malicious and disagreeable and Mm -hmm. sinister. Yep. Right. So true. Yeah. It's really, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to change the word crone. Although I don't know, like maybe we just need need to to own it, to own it. Yeah. And own it as it's, it's the wise woman. It's the intuitive woman. It's the warrior. Yeah. So I know I've talked on this podcast about my grandmother, um, mm-hmm. who I think mm-hmm. very much this way, and my mother, too, um, reaching, you know, and, and looking ahead at generations. So I would go to them and ask them, you know, for wisdom and ask them to impart wisdom onto me. Or in conversations, I pick up these bits of wisdom. 
do you have people in your life that you think of as, you know, these amazing women that are so wise? Yeah. 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 I mean, I have good friends that are in their 60s and 70s. Uh, My grandmothers aren't living anymore. But I think about um, the, the yoga teachers that I've always been drawn to study with. And I've studied with many male teachers, and I've always found it very ironic that in the yoga world, um, some of the most top followed teachers are men, even though like 80% of the people doing the practice are women. I've always been confused by that. Mm -hmm. So even when I was quite young in my yoga studies, like still in my late 30s, I was drawn to these older female teachers. And one, uh, uh, her name is Angela Farmer, and she's an English woman I studied, I think, with her on three separate occasions, and she'd been trained in a Yingar yoga, which is a very masculine, structured sort of yoga, and she got really tired of it. And so she kind of went off into her own more feminine version of it, mm-hmm. and she talked a lot about the mind-body connection, and she brought in mythology and goddess, and so I was so drawn to her, and I remember the first time I studied with her, she was probably late 70s, and I could not... I could not like reconcile or was just like so confusing to me the like from her neck down the way she carried herself looked like a 30 year old because she had this beautiful long spine and her shoulders were drawn back and she was just this graceful woman like if you if you didn't see her head or a face you'd think you were looking at a 30 year old body just based on how mm-hmm. she carried herself and then you'd look at her from the neck up And she had done, like, she was not doing work on her face. She was like a 70-year-old woman. So she had wrinkles and smile lines. And it was just, but and she was so vibrant. So it was like, you're seeing this, like, lifelong, like, perfectly aligned body, which you're like, I don't normally see in a 79-year-old. Right. And this youthful energy, but then a face that reflected her age. And I remember being so blown away by it and so drawn to it because it was so beautiful. And I guess I'm realizing now, too, she represented this woman who was aging with grace and with beauty and with stature and authentic. authentic. And she wasn't like shooting her face up with Botox and she didn't have a boob job. And she was like just in her pure, authentic nature. And she was so magnetic and vibrant and it was so powerful to me. So I guess as I'm reflecting now, I was always drawn towards that crone older energy because I maybe on some level knew that's where the real wisdom is. Like I want to go to the feet of the woman with the real wisdom. Who's going to tell me the truth about my body and trauma and, you know, yoga. And so, and so often we, in our culture, don't, we don't go to the feet of those women. We don't, we, we, we miss the opportunity to learn and understand and draw wisdom from, from these women. Um, because our society says at a certain age, you're kind of like washed up or you're kind of done. Yep. Um, and so how do we, as women, how do we change Well, can I pause you right there? Because I think I want to take a moment to talk that through that you're right. As women reach the crone stage, they often get 
put aside, they lose their power or their job, they aren't paid attention to anymore. But that is a double standard because men continue to age and they get more and more powerful and more and more rich. And I want to share this like really amazing quote by an author named Caitlin Moran and she's written a book about aging and she's she's sort of well she's very humorous um, but listen to this it's so powerful so yes we're all dying we're all crumbling into the void one cell at a time but only women have to pretend it isn't happening 50 something men wander around with their guts flopped over their waistbands men age visibly every day but women are supposed to stop the decline around 37, 38 and live out the next 30 or 40 years in some magical bubble where their hair is still shiny and chestnut, their faces online, their lips puffy, and their tits up on their first third of their rib cage. <laughs> I mean, how so well true. said is that? Right? Like only women have to pretend that their aging isn't happening. Like men can do it gracefully. Men can get silver hair and become like a silver fox. Yeah, we always say they get better with age. Yes. Right? And then w- we have such a standard that like women become old hacks. Mm-hmm. Right. It just I, we have to shine light on this and talk about it. Um, and there's another quote here by Barbara Walker that says patriarchal culture does not provide women with the necessary tools to prepare their crone persona in advance to make the transition without trauma. So like, how do we start to help women and think about women transitioning into this phase without adding trauma because our culture is so scared of the aging woman. And I think it's because the aging woman holds so much power. Yeah. It's, it's scary. It's power and intuition. Right. Yeah. And instead see it as like, you know, as women, I think we have to start to um, honor and, Mm-hmm. Like you said, sit at the feet of these women. Say, tell us your greatest right. guidance. Well, and they often say menopause is really the ideal time to look back at our lives and ask tough questions. Um, am I happy with the decisions I've made? Am I happy with who I am? Um, it's an opportunity to look at regrets, heartaches, and dreams you've deferred, mm. as well as dreams realized, great loves, and incredible accomplishments. So I think if we look at menopause as this midlife awakening and evaluation, and it's not the end. No. In so many ways, it's the beginning of really being. Of like the, one of the greatest periods, periods where you're your in life. your most power. You have such a clear voice. Yeah. You're so intuitive. You're like tapped into this higher realm all the time. And, you know, wow. It's like. Yeah. And so if we can start the narrative around looking for, like, as I've been studying the crone energy in this last week or two, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this period of time, right? Whereas um, maybe before I didn't, maybe I had more fear around it or was something I wasn't looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. We've been kind of conditioned to be like afraid of, of that chapter to, yeah. Hope it doesn't come too soon. Hope it doesn't last too Slow long. Down. All of those things. And you and I were talking earlier about this idea that the hot flashes are the fire and the yes. burning through of the ego. Yes. Which as someone who's starting to have those and complains and like it annoys me, I'm going to start looking at it. I, I look at it already differently now. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is actually progress 
and it is it is harnessing power to go yes. through these periods uh, of of fire yep. and um i i think that that idea that it, you're just you're allowing yourself to move into this new phase uh, with less ego with more intuition which with more understanding of your what you're authentically want is incredibly empowering and I, I literally want every woman right now in our age group to understand that. Yeah, and to embrace the hot flashes because yes. you're like, I am burning through yeah. what I no longer need yeah. so I don't have to take this into the next phase. Yeah, and yeah. just changing our mindset about it because... Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, like the idea is when we start our period, the idea is we get initiated into the the feminine power and the, the, the feminine... The archetypal energy of the feminine is power. The archetypal energy of the masculine is consciousness. Mm -hmm. So women are are feminine. I need to say the feminine energy is power. The masculine energy is consciousness. So as young girls, when we start our bleed, we're getting initiated into the feminine consciousness of power. We're getting initiated into our power. Then every time we bleed, throughout the history of that phase of motherhood or that time when we're fertile, every time we bleed, we're able to inhabit that power, which is intuition and practice. Like each, each month, it's like a practice session for, okay, I'm going to be in my power. Cause think about it when we are menstruating, that's often when we're like yelling at people, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're frustrated or we're, we're not a, like, we can't speaking hold back. We're often. speaking truth. Yeah. We're, we're resting. Cause we have cramps. We're like, I'm not going to work today. I can't yeah. do it. Right. It's like, we're more in our power and our truth, mm-hmm. but it, you know, but think about all the jokes there are about PMSing and, Oh, my wife's, uh, you know, yeah. and it's really when we're in our power, yeah. but this is all practice for when, we actually go fully. through menopause and then we're fully in it. We're in it all the time. We're yeah. in all of that power that we've been practicing each month leading up to it. Yeah. Isn't that the coolest concept? It really is. Yeah. yeah. It just changes the whole tenor of, of how we look at our lives and the, the paths we're on and the beauty of the beauty of the third act, which, yes. you know, you were talking about three acts, I think. Yes. Um, the third act often in any play or um, musical or anything is the most exciting. It's when everything comes, comes together. And I think that's true. I think the grand finale. Yeah. And, and so embracing that and talking with each other about it and supporting each other. I mean, yeah. uh, a lot of women, especially, you know, in this last chapter, um, owning their dreams and saying, I, I know I feel a little bit this way. If I don't do this now, I'm not going to. And so, you know, how do we also, and hopefully we're doing it through these conversations, how do we champion women in like stepping into that third act and saying way to go? Like, and, and because, um, it's, it's really courageous in the type of culture we live in to, to do, to do that, to own what it is you really want, um, whatever that looks like. And as long as it's authentic to you. So. Amen. Amen. More of that. Yeah. And I think that when we sort of come out of that phase of menopause and we move into this crone stage or what maybe we can call wise woman stage, whatever, you know, name resonates for you. It is definitely when we're, we're no longer tame. We're really in our most wild self. Mm -hmm. 
And it's our most authentic self because we have burned through the ego and the persona and the need to please everyone and the need to be perfect. And as one of our most recent guests says, I have no energy to give shits anymore about anything. Right? It's sort of like, right? Yeah. So then you're most real. That's right. That's right. And stepping into that, in that power is... It lifts up everyone for every woman that can do that. Yeah. It lifts up the yeah. collective. Bring it on. Okay. So your homework, all of you listeners out there is to honor a crone in your life. And this may be, mm-hmm. um, someone that you're close to an aunt, a grandmother, a friend, but to call them and just let them know you're thinking about them. And maybe if you have time, schedule a coffee and, you know, ask them questions, sit at the feet of them, uh, symbolically and like soak up their depth of wisdom. So think about who you might want to be in the presence of this week and do it. And if you are a crone, call one of your sisters and uh, yeah, share, share wisdom. Yeah. And like we like to do now with our episodes together, we want to honor uh, and champion a woman. Yes. And so today we're going to champion um, someone locally who's been a uh, been a crone in our I yeah think, wise woman. wise wise woman wow. and healer uh, beyond healers for both of us and that's Dr. Jane Bourgeois who recently retired as a chiropractic healer who practiced chiropractic care in a way that always from, outside of the box always outside of the box yeah. very authentically with so much tenderness and and Grace love for and her love. patients. Yeah. Um, so we honor her, we honor her next third act, which will be amazing. I'm sure. Um, and thank her for all that she has done for so many, uh, including our children and and both of us. In fact, she gave us this beautiful, Mm -hmm. um, big candle when we started our podcast and said, light it every time you record a podcast. So we love you, Dr. Jane. And we're so excited to see where you head in this third act. All right. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Betsy. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorelandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.